in your education efforts. Um, and one of the reasons why it's so difficult to um, to get women to um, to do screening methods. So um, 99 over 99% of cervical cancer is called by, is caused by a virus, HPV, um, human papilloma virus. And there are about 150 strains of HPV. And so most of us have some kind of strain. It's the sexually acquired virus. Um, and so um, we, once a, a woman has her sexual debut, she's very likely to acquire some kind of an HPV virus throughout her lifetime. But uh, of those uh, 150 or so strains, there's around 15 or so that are known to be cancer causing and uh the right now there are vaccines available um there's one called gardasil 9 which vaccinates against seven of those cancer causing strains um as well as two other strains of hpv that can cause genital wart mm -hmm. um now among those two those 15 or so strains that can be cancer causing there are two strains, and they're 16 and 18, and they cause the combined over 70% of cervical cancer. So, um, so it is a sexually transmitted um, infection, and that is why it is so difficult, um, not only in countries like Kenya and Malawi, but also um, in the United States, um, to get people to uh, uptake screening um, and vaccination where that's available. Um, and the tricky thing is, is that for the most part, uh, once you get an HPV infection, um, it generally, there are no symptoms. It's completely asymptomatic until you start to develop cervical cancer. And then you can experience symptoms such as um, abnormal vaginal discharge, uh, abnormal bleeding patterns and pain. And then certainly, you know, the, the symptoms of more um, progressive metastatic disease. Um, but women here tend to present with symptoms of vaginal discharge, vaginal pain, vaginal bleeding. But until um, you reach that point of having developed cervical cancer, the symptoms of an HPV infection are, are none. There are none. And so it's hard to convince women that they might have something that can cause a disease and can certainly can cause cancer and kill them if, if it doesn't have any symptoms. And so that's one of the, um, the biggest barriers, I think, to, um, to convincing women that it's important to be screened. Oh, it's, it's, it's very unfortunate that um, uh, cervical cancer has like no um, vivid symptoms until it's really late because it's one of the main reasons why um, cervical cancer is um, is killing so many women in Kenya because people don't go to to they don't most people don't have health insurance and most, most people do not have a primary care provider where they see let's say monthly or even uh, every quarterly or something like i've seen in the us uh, in the us i find it um 
it's really beneficial that people have primary care providers and health insurance at least most people and they can the doctors can easily suggest that they have um, cervical cancer screening at a certain age so again it's it's really unfortunate and it's 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 so it's one of the main reasons why again even if hpv vaccines are available for free some people will not even take it because they think they're just fine but uh like you said we we all have some strain of um uh hpv virus um and it's it, it's only a matter of time that uh there's 16 and 18 strains are I don't know if they are activated or something, but then uh, they cause cervical cancer at some point. So that's that. That's a really good point that you mentioned. So um, Hyacinth will take us through the next question. If if no one has a follow up question, I'm gonna see. Um, well, oh. I think Dr. Wills had a follow up question. Okay, go ahead. Um, that is a, a perfect follow-up to what you were actually just talking about, Joy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yes, uh, Dr. Wells is excellent to um, allude to the fact that not everybody who has screen 16 or 18 goes on to develop cervical cancer. Right. And so, some of those risk factors and you know what can activate 16 and 18 in your body to cause cancer are risk factors like if you smoke. Um, certainly the age of your sexual debut has been, um, has been a factor and the number of partners that you have, because that's more potential exposures that you have over the course of a lifetime. So those are risk factors. Um, birth control pills have been shown to be a risk factor. Um, and I think the data seems to suggest that rather than the pills themselves being a, a cause, it's primarily that if you're interested in contraception, it's probably because you're sexually active. And so it's you know more of a surrogate marker again for uh, sexual activity, which is the risk factor. Um, smoking is a risk factor because that can affect your immune system. And then the biggest one is um, any kind of an immune suppressive condition and so in your setting and mine here in Malawi, the biggest um, risk factor is HIV. So being infected with HIV um, makes your body less able to fight off those viruses and particularly strains 16 and 18. And so you're more likely to, um, to progress to cervical cancer if you have HIV um, and you're infected with 16 or 18 or any of the other high risk strains. Um, and smoking, similarly, it has an effect on your immune system, obviously not nearly as strong as HIV, but that's why smoking um, also has a risk. Thank you for that. Um, hi, Cynthia. I'm going to ask the next question. Hi, Morgan. Um, what are the treatments that are available for women diagnosed with cervical cancer? Great question. And so unfortunately, the treatment options and availability um, are quite limited, which is why it's so important to screen and to prevent cervical cancer because the screening, uh, the treatment options 
for pre-cancer are much easier um, and they have far less side effects. They're much cheaper and they're much more readily available, um, particularly in low resource um, settings. So when you're diagnosed with cervical cancer, um, it depends, the treatment depends on the stage of disease. And um, cervical cancer is particularly difficult just because um, of the organs that are involved and its propensity to spread and the locations that it can spread make it very difficult to be dealt with just with surgery. So if you catch cervical cancer at a very, very early stage where it's limited to the cervix or the cervix and the uterus, or the tissues, the connective tissues that hold that cervix and uterus in place inside your body, then it can be treated with just surgery. And so it would be surgery to remove the cervix, the ovary, or sorry, you leave the ovaries, the cervix, the uterus, and the fallopian tubes. So if there's nothing wrong with the ovaries, the ovaries can stay, which is good because this is typically a disease that's affecting younger women who have benefits to have their, their ovaries remaining in their body. Um, so at best case scenario, you're looking at surgery. Um, and that surgery is very difficult for women, especially young, young women. Um, having a hysterectomy is certainly not without potential complications, but, um, you know, the, for women to lose their uterus and cervix is a, um, a very difficult uh, thing to undergo, especially when you're still in your reproductive years. Now, if uh, you catch cervical cancer at a later stage, um, you're looking at chemotherapy and radiation. And unfortunately, as you all are probably very well aware, um, radiation is very difficult to come by. Um, in Eastern Africa, you know, most of Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, it's very expensive. It's very... Um, Time consuming for patients need to go every day or every other day for a series of several weeks. Um, and they have to get chemotherapy um, alongside of it, uh, which is can be very expensive um, and it's very toxic. So it can make your hair fall out, make you feel very nauseated, weak. It can affect um, your kidney, your liver, uh, your, your um, infection fighting cells and your red blood cells um, and platelets. Um, everything that you need um, in your blood. Um, it can make you feel very nauseated, vomiting, give you diarrhea. The radiation um, can be very disfiguring. It can also give you chronic problems with um, vaginal pain. It can give you chronic digestive um, problems and difficulty um, with your bowel movements. Um, and uh, women describe a, a very painful burning vaginal sensation and maybe having difficulty um, having sexual intercourse after radiation. Um, so that's why it's so important to try to catch it early before um, it escalates to needing those kinds of treatments. Thank you, Morgan, for that. Uh, response it's it I think of I've, I've, I've heard of women who um, are, are willing to go for uh, cervical cancer treatment but when they experience the symptoms they choose not to fight for their lives 
because the symptoms are very unpleasant and very uncomfortable and someone just chooses that uh, I think it's my time to rest because again those treatments might not uh, really um, lengthen their lives for like maybe longer than five years so people just choose to take the shorter route because again like you said the side effects are very unpleasant and i think that's why women give up and it's it's i like that you say that catching the cancer early is um is like the best way to deal with it and that's why women are encouraged to go for age appropriate um uh cervical cancer screening and we have go, go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, let me just uh, add to that, Joy, because um, I think those are excellent points. And then I'll, I'll touch on the um, questions that I can see in the chat. Okay. Uh, if that's that okay with you, Joy? Yes. So, um, so yeah, I agree with you completely, Joy, that that is a huge problem um, that patients don't want to go through with the treatment because it is so difficult and sometimes there can be the perception that the treatment is worse than the disease or just as bad as the disease. Right. And in fact, you know, upon diagnosis, you know, certainly here in Africa, um, if you have a diagnosis of cervical cancer, your probability of surviving five years um, is less than 20%. Uh, and that's in the perfect setting where you get the recommended treatment. Um, through to completion, which you know most people are not going to be able to have access to the ideal treatment, and so then their mortality rate increases even higher. So yeah, exactly as you said, Joy. They um, a lot of women feel like it's not worth it to go through that for especially such a, a high mortality rate, even with perfect treatment. Right. Um, there are a couple questions. One is um, more preferred um, birth control options other than um, birth control pills. And, uh, and I think, again, this kind of goes hand in hand that the early research was done before a lot of those other birth control methods were very popular. So birth control pills were by far the most popular means of contraception um, for sexually active women at the time that those studies were done. So it's hard to know. I, I don't think that there is a strong link um, with birth control pills itself. But that being said, um, perpetually you get to a very good point that um, HPV, just like any other sexual transmitted disease, is, um, is not prevented, transmission is not prevented by birth control pills or intrauterine devices or an implant in your arm. The only way to prevent transmission is with a condom. Um, and so a condom, you know, certainly while not the most effective means of preventing pregnancy, um, can always be used and should always be used with any um, other contraceptive method. If, um, you know, a woman is not in a monogamous relationship, you know, with, a hus with her husband, for example. Um, so that's the best way to prevent HPV is just always using condoms in addition to whatever else you may want to use for contraception. Um, and then regarding the certain age group, um, so cervical cancer, one of the reasons that it is so devastating um, 
is because it can affect women in their reproductive years. And so, you know, children are impacted when their mother dies and, you know, leaves young children behind without a mother. Um, so it is one of the cancers that can certainly affect um, younger women um, more so than most other cancers. And so, in fact, um, I'm not exactly sure of the most data in Kenya, but depending on the country, typically breast cancer is the leading cause of, of death in women in low resource settings, um, followed by cervical cancer. But cervical cancer tends to um, hit women at a younger age. So if you look at reproductive age women um, from 18 to 45, sometimes that reverses and cervical cancer becomes um, the most common cancer death of um, in low and middle income countries. So um, it's not necessarily that this age is more vulnerable, particularly, but just that uh, because the biggest risk factor is a sexually transmitted infection that, you know, depending on the age of the woman they may acquire in their teenage years, women can be vulnerable as early as in their 20s and 30s. Um, typically, though, uh, the progression from when you contract HPV to when you develop cancer is a pretty lengthy process. So in terms of all cancers, cervical cancer is actually a pretty slow growing cancer if you consider you know the initial acquisition of hpv 16 that initial um, event to when cervical cancer actually develops it's typically over 10 years sometimes years. um so that being said you know while um there's certainly a big impact on age women we certainly see it in older women as well and uh, you know it this is where it's different sometimes in settings like Kenya versus the United States um, in the United States there's uh, monogamy I would say is getting quite rare in the United States worse getting quite common and so it's not uncommon for women to have new sexual partners in their 40s and 50s and so age is a risk factor. Um, you know, not only the age of sexual too, but the older you are, the less your system properly functioning. And so older women are also particularly vulnerable um, to cervical cancer. Now, you know, if you're certainly if you had sexual debut as a teenager and have only had one partner and, you know, that couple is monogamous, your likelihood of catching HPV is very, very low. And so, you know, you're not going to be more vulnerable um, as you age. But uh, but depending on the timing of um, sexual encounters, um, you know, older women can be particularly vulnerable because their immune system is not as robust. And so the contrary of that is that younger women tend to have a much stronger immune system that is much more able to fight off the HPV and preventing it from developing those precancerous changes. And so um, we can talk a little bit more about screening for HPV, but generally we don't recommend doing it in your 20s, even if you know a woman has had her sexual debut as a teenager, 
because women in their 20s are particularly good at fighting off the virus and um, can actually, we don't actually think that you ever quite can be cured of HPV, but the body can suppress the viral load so significantly that essentially you may not ever be able to pick it up on a screening test. And so we say, um, you know, women in their 20s, we don't need to know if they have HPV um, because they have such a high chance of clearing it with their very healthy immune system. Um, oh, great. Joy just gave an update that um, if you have health insurance, you can get the HPV vaccine um, at the state health department and most hospitals in Kenya, which is amazing. And so um, for any of you women, I highly advocate for it. If you haven't gotten it and you're able to, um, it's very important. And to please spread this, this is perhaps one of the most important things that you all can do as educators is spread um, information about vaccines. Um, and particularly, uh, this is one thing that is very hard to do in the United States is to convince mothers that they should get their daughters vaccinated for a sexually transmitted infection when they're nine, 10 years old before they've um, had their sexual debut. But that's when the vaccine is most effective is before um, there's been any exposure to HPV. So um, for those of you that are out in the communities and talking to mothers, um, if they're able to get their daughters vaccinated before they're sexually active, that's the best thing that they can do to protect their daughters. Morgan, uh, and then, Joy, I was just gonna say one, one more thing. Okay. <laughs> and um, feel free, you know, I wanted to kind of talk about, since we talked about the treatment for cervical cancer. If you would like, we can talk more about the, the treatments for cervical precancer. And so why that is so much better to do screening and detect it and you know treat before there's frank cancer. That's something that people would be interested in. Right, go ahead. All right, so, um, so there's kind of three different conditions, right? Um, a woman can have a high risk strain of HPV and her cervix can be totally normal, right? And perhaps she's a, a 20 something year old woman. And so she has the high risk strain, but her immune system is robust and it's fighting it off and not allowing the virus to make any significant changes to her cervix. Then the other thing that can happen with time is that immune system wears off or perhaps the body never mounted an effective immune system. And so the virus starts causing damage um, to the cervix. And so that damage, we call it precancer. And when you're screening, there are three different levels that clinicians use to describe the precancer. Um, there's cervical, um, intraepithelial neoplasm level one, or CIN1 is how you'll see it, which is the least concerning. And then CIN2 is kind of in the middle, and then CIN3 is very concerning. So those changes are highly suggestive that they will progress to cancer versus 
on the other side of the spectrum, the CIA, CIN1 precancer, oftentimes women will be able to, um, to reverse that with their own immune system. So there's a spectrum from low to high, CIN1 to 3. And then CIN3 can progress to cancer. So the purpose of screening is to catch the women who've had that exposure to HPV and have developed pre-cancer, the CIN1, 2, or 3, and to treat that. And the great thing is that that treatment is pretty cheap. It's pretty easy. It can be done at the same time that the woman presents for her screening in some cases. Um, a woman may not feel any pain at all or any side effects whatsoever. And she may just need to avoid sexual intercourse for a couple weeks while her body heals. And then, you know, she'll go about her life as if nothing ever happened. So it's a pretty remarkable um, chance that we have to treat and have a curative treatment, um, you know, before the development of cancer. So um, depending on what your screening methods are and what treatment methods are available, when you diagnose a um, CIN1 or even up to a CIN2, if it's not very extensive on the cervix, you can um, do cryotherapy, which means um, essentially you target the areas on the cervix that look abnormal with very, very cold liquid nitrogen. Um, and that essentially, even though it's cold, it burns um, the surface and destroys the virus. And that's something that really the woman should not have any pain with that. And after just a couple of weeks, her cervix should be healed. She can go about her life and she shouldn't notice any changes in sexual intercourse, no changes in her vaginal bleeding. Um, it's a very cheap, uh, treatment and uh, you don't need electricity, you don't need water. Uh, it's a handheld instrument, so doctors can, you know, go in mobile clinics to do screenings. Um, it's very good for, for any kind of setting. Now, if you screen and you see something that you think is more severe and would rate it a CIN3, then you need a more extensive treatment. And in that case, we typically use something called a LEAP or um, a loop electrode excisional procedure, which is basically um, a, a wire loop that uses electrical energy to burn the part of the cervix off that looks abnormal. So you get a much bigger piece of the cervix that's removed. Um, and you can send it to the laboratory for the pathologist to look at under the microscope to have a better idea of what's going on. Um, that again, really doesn't cause too much pain. It can, it's a bit uncomfortable, but it shouldn't be painful. I do these all the time in the United States and the cervix itself doesn't really have a good nerve supply. So women, you know, may feel a little uncomfortable, but it's not painful. And uh, there can be some bleeding from the cervix after it. So you typically will apply some medicine um, to the cervix to help it heal. 
And so women may have some bleeding and some discharge while they're healing for about a month. And then their cervix should be healed and will look totally normal. And they can go on having normal sexual intercourse and they won't have any changes to their menstruation. They won't have any pain, no side effects after their cervix is healed. Wow, that's a very elaborate explanation. But what I get here is that screening again at um, screening, I mean, um, early screening uh, or age appropriate screening is very important because uh, it increases chances of survival. Like you said, if uh, the cancer is detected early and um, that's that's what we want for um most women for them to be screened uh, very early so that they have a higher chances of survival so if you ever have the chance uh please go for your hpv screening uh i've in some hospitals in the us they give you a certificate once they have done a pap smear it's um it's a and it's not very uncomfortable because i did it myself and um it's it's basically they basically do something that looks like a pelvic exam but it's the 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 nurse practitioners and nurse uh, nurse practitioners mostly they usually do it if you're in the u.s and they they know it's a very uncomfortable process for most women and they try to um help you uh, so that you don't get so uncomfortable and refuse to do the entire thing so please it's 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 painless and um it's good that you get your screening on time and especially if you have health insurance please make good use of it it's it's if you have the opportunity and also tell your friends as well I know for most schools in the u.s and for most people in the u.s they do have health insurance and um in Kenya too, for some working class people, usually um, at the end of the month, your job or is it the government deduct some money for NHIF. Um, make good use of that money. Don't just let, let it go away like that. Go to the hospital, find time to do your um, screening for cervical cancer. It's, it's, it doesn't even take more than 30 minutes. So again, this is, this, this is something that I would encourage every woman to do. Um, I see some follow-up questions. I, I wonder if, Morgan, you have responded yeah. to that. Okay. Yes, I'm happy to. So um, Kibbit asks about the likelihood of recurrence post-treatment. Um, and that is a, a very complicated question because it depends on what the diagnosis was. So um, unfortunately, if you're diagnosed with cancer, and particularly if it's, um, if it's here in Kenya, because the um, resources available to us are not always uh, what they are in the United States, the likelihood of recurrence is very high. Um, and so that is part of why the mortality rate um, in places like Kenya and Malawi is so much higher than in the United States, um, is the, the high likelihood of, of recurrence. Um, now, if you catch it in a pre-cancerous state, it also depends. So, um, Again, we kind of talked about the age. So if you detect um, in a 30-year-old woman, for example, that she has HPV, 
um, she might clear it very quickly and never have um, HPV positive testing again. Um, if you have a CIN, CIN1 and you get cryotherapy, the likelihood that that will be curative is very high um, because it destroys the um, virus that's on the surface and it also activates your system to make your immune system better able to fight the virus. Um, so the, the risk of recurrence is actually pretty low if it's CIN1. Now, um, with CIN3, um, it can be higher, and that's often because we don't see the extent of the lesion. And so if there's anything that is left behind that is not, um, you know, burned with the cryotherapy or with the, the wire loop, then there's going to be a recurrence. So it's a difficult question to answer because it depends on the stage of the disease, if it's precancerous or cancerous, and it depends on if the lesion was removed entirely. So in the United States, that's one of the benefits of having the wire loop is that when the pathologist looks at it under the microscope, they can look at the margins. So they can give you an idea if they think that you have gotten the entire region of abnormality or if there was microscopic disease that was close to the margins of what you took off that might be left behind. And so um, you can, in the United States, we tailor our follow-up to what the results were from the pathologist. And so that also affects the recurrence. Now, um, Dr. Wills asked a very excellent, relevant question, follow-up to that. What's the frequency of your follow-up? So um, every country has different national recommendations and um let me see if i can pull up the recommendations i found some old ones um for kenya and so joy you can tell me if um any of this has changed because i think this is from 2018 but at that time they were recommending hpv testing when available as the primary screening method and so if you're HPV negative, the recommendation is that you get screened every five years. And again, that's partly because you can acquire it again if you, in particular, if you have a new partner, okay? Um, now, if you're HPV positive, then you're gonna go on to get um, more testing. And so sometimes that is a colposcopy, which is looking at the cervix with a microscope. Sometimes if that's not available, you undergo a test called VIA, or visual inspection with acetic acid. And this is an important screening method because it's probably the most common screening method in Sub-Saharan Africa, because HPV is still a bit expensive for a lot of the continent right now. Um, so for people that don't have access to HPV, VIA, or visual inspection with acetic acid, is your most likely um, screening method um, in Sub-Saharan Africa. And so you put some vinegar on the cervix, that vinegar highlights areas um, where there could be abnormalities, it highlights them white. And so as the gynecologist, um, you know, you can look at that and then make a, a decision right then and there while the woman um, 
is uh, is with you, whether or not you think that it's DIN one or two, and then you can treat it right then and there with cryotherapy, or if you think it's DIN three and she needs that wire procedure, in which case she would probably have to come back for a separate visit. Now, um, in 2018, the recommendation was that if you had um, any kind of follow-up test, that you would get rescreened um, after one year if you had a had the cryotherapy or the leak. Um, and then if there, if you had the VIA and it was negative but you were HPV positive, then you would get rescreened three years later. Um, pap smears um, are offered if, um, in the event that VIA is not available. Um, and so typically women are getting pap smears every three to five years, depending on whether or not you do HPV testing with it. Um, and if, if it's everything is normal. Uh, there are different requirements if you have HIV, because remember that is probably the biggest risk factor um, for women with HPV developing cervical cancers if they're also co-infected with HIV. Um, and so women with HIV get screened every one to two years, depending on the country. Um, here in Malawi, we just changed the recommendations to every two years, but um, I believe in Kenya, and Joy, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong, that it's still every one year. That's right. And they're saying, and they, they basically saying in some uh, government documents that every woman above 25 should get screened is what I've seen in most cases. Yeah. But then usually they say uh, it depends, like if, if uh, testing someone will give them the most benefit, like sometimes it's individualized, but then we have, um, all the recommendations that you just mentioned are accurate. Um, and then Dr. Wells has another excellent question. Um, and this speaks to, he asks, are there scenarios where a pap test result is unclear or abnormal and what happens? And you're absolutely right. This happens a lot. And that's why um, in these settings, pap smears are, kind of the the third best option for screening because there's actually a, a lot of um, a lot of cases where the pap smears are not clear. And so you have to have a rather well-trained pathologist to look at the pap smear under the microscope. And a lot of times um, it is not a very clear cut diagnosis of CIN one, two or three. And so, um, there are very complicated books in the United States. You could have a 150-page manual about various um, things regarding cervical cancer and the various pap smear results that you can get and how you should follow them up. Uh, so we won't get into all of those nitty-gritty details, but lest it, uh, it be mentioned that um, Pap smears are subject to a lot of um, variation and can be very difficult to interpret. And that's why they're not um, the optimal first choice. But um, VIAs are also subject to a lot of um, inter uh, provider variation. And so you have to 
best job that you can, especially if you're in a BIA situation where you're treating right away. You just have to use your clinical judgment um, to offer the best treatment for that woman at the at the time. Luckily, HPV is pretty clear cut. You either it's either positive or negative, so that is a lot easier <laughs> to uh, to um, manage. Right. Thank you, Morgan, for all those great responses. I think we caught up with all um, the follow-up questions. And um, Hillary can ask the next question. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, we are learning much and I believe everyone is doing that as well. So um, the next question I'd like to ask is, um, right now we know that primary health has to be given the main focus. And so the thing is, what should nurses, doctors, and the community health workers emphasize when addressing cervical cancer? That's a great question. And, um, and I think this is where you all can come in as educators, is um, educating that this is, this is primary care, right? And that the, the time to intervene is not when you have a problem, it's before the problem. So whether that is vaccination, and so you know people that are um, involved in pediatrics and seeing children on a regular basis, um, the best thing that you can do is talk to mothers about the importance of vaccination. If, if a vaccine um, is uh, readily available and accessible um, financially and, and physically um, to those parents um and then you know those of you that see women in primary care settings or even um you know just in in education i think it's important in schools to be educating children about what cervical cancer is and the importance of getting screened when they're adults um and talking to them about how it's sexually transmitted and how it's asymptomatic um, but that it's still important to get screened. Um, and then similarly, you know, being able to target women, reproductive age women, whether that's spending time with them when they present, um, when they're pregnant, you know, taking that opportunity to educate them or, you know, even is, you know, certainly in primary care visits, if they come, um, to, uh, to engage with the health system for any other reason. It's important to educate them on, on screening. Um, you know, I wonder if um, using, you know, markets or churches or other events in the community where, um, where you can um, educate women about getting screened but um but you're absolutely right this is this is something that needs to be addressed at the primary health care level before um you know somebody has a problem that they come to see a gynecologist about um that's the most bang for our buck and it's the best way to save lives because once a woman has cervical cancer you know it's as as we talked about the road is hard and the odds are not good so um, primary health care is where we need to be addressing cervical cancer to save lives. 
Uh, thank you for that response, uh, Morgan. And uh, that's basically the essence of Manga as a cancer initiative. We want to educate um, these women out there and to emphasize the essence of early screening. Like you've all heard, um, cervical cancer, the, the most or the best way to prevent it is, um, or, or the best way to uh, not even, I don't want to say cure it, but how, how can we prevent it or control it? It's through early screening, age appropriate screening as recommended by your provider. It's, it's, it's very tricky that it's not, um, it, we don't have like one treatment for everyone, but the recommendation is early screening. And depending on the stage, then uh, that would determine the chances of survival. And it's, it's really sad that, again, for most women in Kenya that are diagnosed with these diseases, diagnosed at uh, very late stages. And it's unfortunate that there are no uh, vivid signs so again, when, when you're interacting with uh, women of reproductive age, ask them, have you had your, um, your cervical cancer screening? Have you asked about it? And even for pregnant women that are going for uh, their clinics, usually they, for hospitals or clinics that have, um, that have uh, the resources, they usually do it as part of their first trimester uh, checkups. So please be your sister's keeper. Ask these questions. I know in a, it's not, these are not things that we talk about in our culture. Reproductive health is the least addressed topic in our culture, um, cultures. So again, we, uh, we as the educated people, let's, let's make that difference in our communities. Let's uh, encourage people to do their um, cervical cancer screening because we, we don't want to reach that point where we can't help and they can't help themselves either. But for now, what we can do as Mangaza Cancer Initiative and friends of Mangaza who are able to join today, please in your own space, uh, whether at work or at school, please ask your friends these tough questions. Hey, have you heard about cervical cancer? And teach them what you learned today or um, challenge them to ask about screening when they go for their next uh, doctor's appointments. So thank you so much. Um, are there any more questions? Um, time is up and I want to make sure all our questions are addressed. But again, we want to be respectful, respectful of everyone's time. Any more questions? Anything that we didn't address? Hi, Joy. Hi. Could I just kindly ask one question before we can call this off? Please. Sure. All right. So uh, one thing that you have mentioned recurrently is the fact that HPV is transferable. The fact that it's a virus, it means it can be transferred from a woman to a man. And uh, we've also mentioned that uh, uh, oftentimes it's very rare for people even to recognize that they have contracted the virus. So my question would be, uh, particularly now speaking on behalf of the boy child, like what would be the symptoms or some of the things that are likely to show the fact that they have, a, they have already contracted this virus and uh, what are some of the recommended treatments out there or screening services that would be able to expose if a male 
has already uh, contracted such? That is a great question. And while men and boys in particular um, can be vaccinated, we do not, even in the United States, do routine HPV testing for men. And the reason is tricky um, because there is no cure for it um, in men. Once you have it, there's nothing that can be done about it. And so, um, and similarly, men, it has been associated with some anal cancers and penile cancers and um, oral pharyngeal throat, throat cancers, but those are so incredibly rare that um, generally the public health experts advise that there's no point in screening for something that you can't treat um, and that you can't do anything to prevent. So, you know, for a man to know that he potentially has a high-risk HPV strain that he can never be cured from and that he can pass on to women, you know, might cause a lot of distress. Um, and so we don't screen men. And uh, so really the only way um, is for a woman to be screened. And just as um, HPV infection is completely asymptomatic in women, it's also completely asymptomatic in men. So the best thing that men can do, three best things that men can do, one is to just always practice safe sex practices and wear a condom so that if you have been infected that you'll minimize chances of, of passing it on and you know protect yourself from becoming infected by a woman who might be already infected so always wearing a condom and number one and number two you know encouraging your children to be vaccinated and so you know again if you have boys boys can be vaccinated um, with the vaccine and part of the reason for that is that the vaccines also protect against genital warts which boys are um, able to get just the same as uh, as girls so the boys are able to get the vaccine I don't know if that is different in Kenya maybe Joy can speak to that but in the states um, boys are eligible for the vaccines and then the third thing that you all can do as as men is what um, all of you can be doing just you know, to hammer home Joy's point, education is the most important thing. So, you know, telling all of the women in your life, all of the women that you encounter um, as you're part of your role in um, Longaza Cancer Initiative, um, educating them about the how uh, HPV is transmitted and how it can turn into cervical cancer and what they can do to prevent it. That was a great question, a question and great response, Morgan. Uh, boys, for sure, are eligible for uh, the vaccine. And what I've seen people and most NGOs target is uh, uh, boys and girls in primary schools from uh, age nine, uh, depending if if their parents permit. And um, like you said, uh, it's HPV affects both men and women. So because uh, like Morgan said, um, men cannot be screened for it. It's an ethical issue, like she said, uh, that 
you screen men and not provide a solution so so the challenge to you men is um to go out there like morgan said again to educate people it's not a women's problem it's a men and women's problem so um let's let's go out there and let's let's normalize speaking about these things like i said it's not an easy conversation for it's not a, a discussion that you bring to the family table in most cases but let's try our best to normalize just just encouraging these women uh, to go f- for their screening would have saved their lives a lot so thank you again everyone for your participation thank you morgan for um the great uh, responses and for going above and beyond we have um, we, we've gained so much from this i have learned a lot myself and i'm sure most of the people can attest to this so we are, we we are happy to have you again i know more people will be asking me more questions uh, is it okay if i forward them to you if i can't answer them Absolutely. I would be happy to. It's a privilege to talk with you and I'm I'm happy to help you all in your mission in any way that I can. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone um for those who uh were not able to introduce themselves. I'm sorry but just know you are much welcome and you're welcome for our um, subsequent meetings as well we always have meetings every last saturday of the month at 9 p.m uh, kenya's time east african time so please uh be on the lookout for more meetings like this and um if you have any suggestions as to what you'd like to hear more maybe if you want us to talk about screening cervical cancer screening only um we might schedule for such meetings depending on the demand but again thank you so much you have a great night feel free to send me questions or any other member of the team and we'll make sure that they are they've been answered so again god bless you Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We will see you next time. Good night. You can be, you can um wave if you if you're able to uh uh start your video. Just wave goodbye if you can. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. Bye everyone. Nice to see you. Thank you so much for your time, everyone. Thank you, Morgan. Enjoy.